The Electric Rodeo is an adult toy megastore podcast about sex, toys, pleasure and relationships. It contains adult themes, adult language and probably too much information about our sex lives. Sorry, Sorry Mum. <laughs> Kia ora everyone and welcome to the Electric Rodeo. I'm your host Emma Hewitt. And I'm not who I say I am. Tash Bull! <gasps> ah! Scandalous! A little tricksy intro today. Yeah, messing with you guys. We can't have you getting comfortable. No, no, no. We would hate for any of you to be comfortable while you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, this is what it's about. We're having uncomfortable conversations and we might tell you that, that we're not who we say we are. It's all fun and games, isn't it, everyone? <laughs> I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm having fun too. That's what's important. And so how are you today, Emma? I am pretty, pretty good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, out here, out here doing it. Just living the dream. We're entering our taboo era. Taboo era. Because today we're going to have a little chit-chat with someone really cool. Yes. And it involves periods. Period sex. Period sex. And, you know, a couple other fun conversations. A whole <laughs> lot of stuff. But first, yes. we have made a mistake. Oh. We promised when we spoke to Sophie Louise. Our sex coach. Our new sex coach. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that we would do seven days of meditation and report back yes. to you listeners. Three episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't done it. I mean, no one's called us out at this point, but we'll see. But yeah, we would like to apologise to our listeners and and to our sex coach, Sophie Louise. We're so sorry. We're sorry. so sorry, Sophie. We will do better. <laughs> so what are we committing to? Well, okay. So seven days of meditation. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it. I did two days. I did three. And you know, the whole time I was like, we didn't address it off camera at all. We no. li- I literally turned to Emma while we were recording and I was like, we should do that and just dropped both of us in it. And then we didn't discuss it. And so there was like three days out of the following week where I did it. And every single time I was like, I bet Emma's not doing it. And I wasn't. <laughs> and I've only, I only did the two days after I remembered. I think I went into a panic yeah. in the office and Aww. I was like, Tash, we've absolutely fucked up. Yeah. We promised to do it. So I did two days following that, which I think is quite good because yeah. I fucking hate meditation. Oh, really? Hate it. If, if you hate it, then you haven't. Hit it yet. You gotta I watched a Try Guys video and they did like twenty one days of it, like three weeks or something. And it got to a certain point where he was like, I actually get meditation now. So I feel like a week is a good start. Okay. I have tried meditation and like when you read about it, there's obviously lots of benefits. It's a very good thing to do. So I would love to get to the point where I'm like, I understand it now when I actively am motivated to do it every day. So I think forcing ourselves to do it for seven days for the podcast is a great start. Can it, it doesn't have to be seven consecutive days. Like I've done two. Oh, what? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm trying to get out of it. Okay, fine. I'll do I, seven. I'll the, do it. Our next recording is five days from now. Okay. So let's let's try and hit those five days. Okay. And then you know what? You've already had your two. Let's do these five, and that'll be seven by the time we come to record, and we can see where we're at. Good. And I will also commit to doing the next five days. Okay, good. My brain is quite an overactive and dark place, oh. and when I sit down by myself for a long time I don't like it (laughs) you know what would help with that don't say meditation Meditation. (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm furious (laughs) (laughs) okay and with that today yes 
we're not meditating. No, we're not. We're having wonderful conversations about colonization, decolonization, sex, periods, amongst other little anecdotal things with Tiana from Cock and Culture. She's fab. Yeah. The convo's fab. You're going to love it. Yeah. And let's let's dive in. Mm. Let's decolonize this sexy time, baby. Hell yeah. So today we have the amazing Tiana here from Cock and Culture and we're so excited to talk to you. So we're going to be talking about sex and periods and pleasure and decolonizing all of these things and the amazing world that we could live in if we just fucking did that. So (laughs) Tiana, welcome to the show. We're so stoked to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Definitely. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me today. Like it, I love having the opportunity to speak to different audiences just to kind of get the message across. So Kotiana Toku Ingoa, am of Samoan and Palangi descent, was raised in the Cook Islands and now reside in Kirikiriroa. A single mama of three. I have a 20-year-old that's in America. I've got oh, wow. a 13-year-old that's here with me in Hamilton at high school and an eight-year-old as well that's at school here. And yeah, so stumbled, I suppose. I don't know whether you can really stumble across sex, but um, (laughs) stumbled across my interest with sex and have got a really, I suppose, complicated background in terms of my understanding and the way that I was raised. Mm. And then as an adult, did heaps of shredding of those onion layers to kind of try and find that true essence of what I believed sex was all about. And then a couple of years ago, I was doing my master's and thought that I was going to do a master's on this, you know, some really, really cool academic topic that, you know, (laughs) would sit in libraries and and be spoken about by academics. And I was like, no, bugger it. I'm going to write a dissertation on sex. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I landed. And I, after I wrote it, I was like, nah, I want this to be accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You know, I want my sisters to be talking about this. I want the girls at work to be talking about this. I want to be sharing this with everyone. And what's the best way to share information these days is through social media. So yeah. I set up an Instagram page called Cock and Culture, <laughs> which is my two favorite things in life. Yeah. Of Incredible course, name, the clothes, by the way. <laughs> the, the earrings to prove it. Oh, cute. Oh, cute. Um, and, and culture, because for me as a Pacific woman they you know like those two things merge really really beautifully but I think that for so long they've been so separate and so my process is just trying to like get the conversation going and I refer people are like what do you do for a job or, you know <laughs> I I refer to myself as a VAR I navigator mm-hmm. and so VAR and like the Pacific I suppose the translation for it would be void but that sounds really weird it's kind of like the unseen connection or the unseen bond that you the relationship that you have with people and I is my Maori word for sex Mm. so I'm kind of like the navigator of sexual spaces and you know not a sex therapist not necessarily a sex worker or anything like that but just want to help people navigate those spaces so that we can talk about it and that we can have really good sex lives because I think that's ultimately that's my goal I just want everybody to have amazing orgasms (laughs) and what better way to do it than to actually like you know you know peel back some layers and have some conversations about it and just normalize it. 
Absolutely. So that's where I kind of landed and, and here I am today. Gorgeous. That's so, so cool. Um, I love that you like already mentioned like the conversation about it and communicating yeah. about it and stuff. Because obviously for us doing this, like that's why we're here too. Yeah. But it really like people just have a tendency to kind of like not talk about stuff. And there's just no way to have a really, really oh good sex life unless you are. And I feel like every conversation we have just comes back to this point yeah. every time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, we love having sex. We should love talking about it. It's fantastic. And having those conversations with people can be really enriching. So I love that. And I love that you've given yourself a title. I think that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and I think that totally. I'm like, you know, we talk about if we had a shit sleep last night or we talk mm. about the best food that we have or, you know, we talk about I've got breathing problems, you know, mm. things like that. We talk about all these things that are so innate and so natural yeah. and yet somewhere along the way we've put this boundary up and said we're not going to talk about sex, mm. even though it's one of the most natural bodily functions Definitely. that yeah. we have. And I'm like, no, 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 break down those walls. And once you start having those conversations, it's – and I think I'm fortunate that I get to sit in spaces and I suppose I'm the safe place for people. So I have, once people open up to me, I get all the gossip. Uh, yeah. Yes. And I'm like, they're so similar. It's just that I talk about it and everybody knows about it. Yeah. And you're just really private because somewhere along the lines you've been told, don't have these conversations. I think it's really sad. Like, you know, people think it's weird when I say this, but I'm like, as a mother, we teach our children. We teach our children how to write. We teach them how to tie shoelaces. Mm -hmm. We teach toilet train them. We, you know, teach them how to cook and drive. Mm -hmm. And yet, why are we not having these conversations as the educators in their lives about what good, healthy, positive, safe sexual relationships are like? Yeah. That's my passion is to make sure that like our younger generation have better tools to access because I didn't. I was raised in a mm -hmm. really, really religious conservative home. Mm -hmm where sex was never spoken about. It was dirty, disgusting, only for procreation purposes, oh, only allowed inside the confines of a marriage. You know, like in my family, I wasn't allowed to hold hands with a boy because oh, that shit. was deemed as potentially, you know, like you would have sex with them. Yeah. Wow. And now I'm like, man, I hold hands with everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I hold hands with strangers on the yeah. street. Like, I like, as a child growing up, that's how conservative my family were. And I, you know, as a mother now, I don't want my sons to have that fear yeah. of sex yeah. and to be put off by it. And I definitely wasn't scared of sex and it didn't put me off. It probably did the absolute opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my very, very conservative upbringing then made me want to explore more. But I think because I didn't have a supportive home background, I went and explored in some really negative unsafe ways mm. yeah. and I didn't have that you know any guidance I didn't you know so I was learning off the cuff yeah. and when I have conversations with kind of newbies I always send them and I direct them to the Netflix series Sex Education yeah nice and I'm Excellent. like if you don't want to have these conversations with me and, I, and it's freaking you out then at least go and watch the series and then come back and report to me that's great yes. that's a good but reference you know, like these, our kids have got access to stuff like this now. Where mm. I never had that. I wasn't even allowed to watch TV or, you know, <laughs> that's how, you know, strict my family were. So I didn't have access to anything mm. to learn from and have just, and I suppose that's where my sexual awakening comes in my 30s because I'm finally learning shit that everybody else was kind of getting to experience <laughs> yeah. when they were 18 or 19. So, yeah, massive advocate for us just opening up those channels for people to have these conversations totally. Yeah. Gorgeous. You must be a really cool mum. Oh, 
I would love for you to tell me all yes, about sex. Same. I mean, I already I know, and I'm like, I would love children, to hear this. My children are so embarrassed. I, I think, you know, I'm definitely that mum that goes and, you know, has condoms available Good. for anything. When they were teenagers and at high school, and they'd send them off to parties, and I'll be like, "Here's your condom, here's your condom, <laughs> out." And I, but you know, there's, there's times when I I think about it, I'm like, "Nah, like my sons might be embarrassed about me at the moment, and they're always embarrassed that I've got way too many naked photos on the walls and drawings of people having sex <laughs> and breast cups and yes. you know and penis <laughs> candle holders and things." <laughs> But I'm like, you know, they don't realize that they're having such an open and honest upbringing in comparison to what I had. And I remember one time I had a conversation with my son and his group of friends and I was talking about STI checks and none of them had gone for STI Mm, checks. The majority of them had had unprotected sex. Mm. And so we made up a, you know, hashtag and it was something along the lines of, no, no chlamydia 2020 or something. Like that. <laughs> I just messaged them this hashtag to be like, you know, this is just a reminder for Love you it. that you have to. And then quite a few boys later on reported back that they had gone and, and made appointments and they were so embarrassed and they thought they just, you know, had to pee in a cup, but because it was their first time, they got the full shebang. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, of course. And, everything. and I was like, but that's cool because now you've had the full works, you know what to expect. Exactly. And, and the fear's gone and you'll go back more times. And I think now, I, you know, with that kind of adult son, I have a relationship with him where I can ask him, like, really, you know, he's got a partner and stuff and I can I can just be straight up and be like, what contraception is she on? Mm, awesome. Nice. You know, just, and it's not, it's just the same as me going, oh, did you go for a run this afternoon? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's so common and natural. Yeah. Let's just start with decolonization because yeah. I think that this is, like, a really important topic. I've heard you speak about it before, uh, which is why I wanted to bring you on because you are so good at speaking on this. So can you give a little, like, explainer on what that actually means and particularly in relation to like sex and pleasure so if I break down what is colonization Mm. it is when the colonizing community or people come and colonize an indigenous set of people but I think that the terminology of colonization can encompass so much because not only is colonizing like when you come and you're actually taking land and taking power and, yeah. you know, and taking away a culture, but you can colonize mindsets, mm-hmm. you can colonize the economy, you can colonize so many things. When I did my dissertation, I was very, very specific about focusing on the Pacific because that's yeah. what I know. And so for the Pacific and growing up in the Pacific, we've been colonized by the Europeans, but also been colonized very, very much so by the introduction of Christianity. Yeah. And it's so infiltrated into our culture now that it's really, really hard for Pacific Islanders to dissect what is Christianity and what is culture. They just, you know, like they can't separate the two. Mm. And so when I talk about like the process of decolonizing, it's about, like I said it before, about taking away those onion layers of things, of assumptions, of ideologies Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily ours, but have been inflicted upon us. So when I look at in terms of my sexual journey, so for me, decolonizing looks like understanding that sexuality is fluid. And so, you know, with religion came the must, you know, it's man and woman and you get married and you stay for life (laughs) until death was part. But indigenously, and especially in the Pacific, 
your sexuality was fluid. And so when I was doing all my research, there were so many accounts of high chiefs having not only like their female partners that they would have children with, but they would also have their male partners Mm. that they would have sex with. In the Pacific and in a lot of indigenous societies, you have your third gender, your whawhawhine, and so your third spirit. And so there was lots of instances where people had relationships with whawhawhine as well. And, you know, had multiple partners. Monogamy wasn't introduced until Christianity came along. You know, we were a polyamorous society. And so for me, it was like understanding that actually I don't have to have one partner for the rest of my life. It is okay for me to have multiple partners. It's okay for me to have multiple partners that um, have different genders. Mm It's okay for me to have multiple partners at the same time. And so coming from a society where, man, it was like strict as, like Mm. to then go into this being really, really open and free took a lot of of self-reflection. Because it's really, really hard because you're like, in your head, your head's going, no, I'm not allowed to do this. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's been programmed. Yeah. Yeah, but my body's like, man, this is fun. I love this shit. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, this is fulfilling every single need I've ever had. Yeah. Looking at, so definitely like that, that's a really, really big one is understanding gender and sexual fluidity. Mm. And other things that I looked for was reconnecting with the way that the energy that moves in my body and the sexual energy. Right. And so I think that I was, because I was raised in such a, you know, strict family, it was, of course, sex was solely for procreation. Yeah. And understanding that my body has needs and there will be times when I'm uber horny and there'll be times where like I'm not in the mood, but coming to terms with that and not feeling that I have to be the provider for somebody else Mm. that I can listen to my own body. And so the way that I've done that, which is another part of kind of decolonizing is aligning myself more with the maramataka. So the Maori lunar phases, which is all throughout the Pacific as well. But because I'm in Aotearoa, it makes sense to kind of follow the the Maori lunar phases. And we understand it in terms of like, there's definitely good moon periods for um, planting. There's good moon periods for fishing, you know, things like that, very environmental. But understanding that there's also an impact on your emotional well-being in terms of the moon phases. And we know that because we, people always talk about how women go cray cray during like a full moon. Exactly. But it's 100, like that, the the Māori word for like the full moon, the lunar phases, rako nui. Rako meaning wood. In, mm. Or log, or you know, erectus. Yeah. yeah. And um, Nui <laughs> I didn't being, know that. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like Rako Nui, big yeah. dick energy. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I know that I get, like, I, I plan my Tinder dates on Rako Nui Incredible. because I know that like, I'm Love a sexual that. beast during that time and I need to be satisfied. And so if I just want to be having really, really good, passionate, hot sex, okay, I'm going to do it in Rako Nui. There's another um, another moon phase called Tamatea, and this is a time when I get really stroppy with people. I have a short fuse, you know, my kids get the wrath, I get (laughs) off, and I know that I can't engage in a sexual connection with somebody else during that period because they'll just annoy me. Like if they don't feel it right, right. they'll annoy me, and if they don't please me, and I just know that I can read myself. So I know that this is the time to masturbate like I'm like what's the point and I still need sexual like gratification but what's the point of me forcing myself 
to engage with another person when actually it's probably better for me to just have like one-on-one time. And so I'm really conscious of, of and I've tracked it and and I follow it and I've, you know, like talked to heaps of other mates who have tracked it as well. For women as well, it, it definitely your your period, your equator mm. cycles will definitely yeah. play a role and when you're, you know, more horny than you're not. Yeah. Traditionally, depending on how, you know, and every woman's different, but traditionally you'd probably have your ikura, your period during the cycle of fetal, the new moon. Um, but, you know, like I've got a niece and she has hers during it, Ako Nui, so she's like extra cray-cray. Oh, you know, like she's got that Ako <laughs> Nui energy. energy. Yeah. But you're also, you're PMSing at the same time. So, oh my gosh. But, you know, so like her, you know, like watching her and checking her through her cycles to see – because she's, you know, definitely different to me. So I think it's one size doesn't fit all. Mm. I think it's really awesome to just be able to track. And I did it for like a year to begin with, Mm. was to, like, I just had to note down the times that I had had sex and every, you know, like there's different flavors. And so I was like, okay, this person I had sex with then, I was like in this really like wanting that girlfriend experience. And I was really... (laughs) like kissy smoochy huggy one of those cuddles and and that was the energy that I was projecting and 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 the partners that I was hooking up with were the ones that were able to give that to me Mm. and then there was you know during Rako Nui I was definitely aiming for different type of Mm. people (laughs) and I wanted that really rough crazy passionate fiery sex Um, and then you know I had to note down all the times when you know there was self-pleasure and why did I feel like I wanted to self-pleasure on this day versus this day and I checked it over a year so I could get some good data on it to actually see what the different moods were that I was evoking and I could definitely see a pattern and so I was like okay this just totally makes sense to be able to follow it and I think another thing you know talking about decolonization is the role that masturbation plays Mm. in in sex and I think you know again coming from a really religious colonized upbringing of like you never talk about masturbation that is no. not even that's not even sex that's just you know that's the we don't do that yeah yeah and feeling so dirty and and that it was so unacceptable and when I read through all this I just absolutely loved it when I read through heaps of research you know like there was an island in Tahiti where early colonizers mm-hmm. had gone to um, Tahiti and they had found this, I can't even remember what the name of it is at the moment, a type of plant that was phallic shaped and women were using it as a dildo. Amazing. Good and I was them. like, oh my God, like, you know, the, the Tahitians back in the days, like yes. this is normal. And then, you know, when you think about it, when you look at a lot of the carvings throughout the Pacific and in Te Ao Māori, like there's a reason why they have dicks on their yeah, carvings. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was part of society. Yeah. And then, you know, Christianity came and, and religion came and we started cutting off all the dicks on our on mm. our carvings and not making it a part of it. And there was, you know, definite research and, and writings and stuff about how there had been carved dildos yeah. of yeah. different sizes and everything. And I'm like, man, if our tupuna, if our ancestors were doing it, why do I have so much shame around doing it when it's completely normal? And I think, like, you know, talking again about being a parent is making sure that masturbation is included yeah. 
and our conversations about sex, sex is not just you yeah. with another person. Yeah. Sex is so much, you know, sex is the conversations. Sex is the before care. Sex is the aftercare. Yeah. Sex is the masturbation. Mm. Sex is the, the sexual exchange. Sex is your sexual preferences. Yeah. Sex is your sexual kinks and the things that you love and you don't love. And yeah, like making sure that it's included in our conversations, yes. not not a separate thing, because I think that that puts it into a, this is the good and the bad category. Yeah, yeah we totally. want Everything is the good category. We want to, everything to be included. And I think the same thing about gender fluidity and sexual fluidity mm. is that I don't, when I talk with people, I don't want it to be like, this is, this is lesbian sex and this is heteronormative yeah. sex and this is, and why am I distinguishing between this is anal sex and this is sex sex? Yeah, right. All sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when we make those separations, that's when we start, you know, blurring those lines between what is good and what is bad mm. and what is appropriate and acceptable yeah. and what isn't. But if we talk about it as a collective, then we take away that taboo around it. Yeah, yeah. And still, you know, like I talk to full grown adult, you know, mm, people that yeah. are older than me that still have real hangups about masturbating. And I'm like, yeah, like in my head, I'm like, you don't masturbate. I know. Oh what my gosh. You do all day. <laughs> right. We, we do like, yeah. expose shows and we have the same experiences. It's people of all ages and they come up to you. And, and, and it's really great to do those in person shows when we're an e commerce company and have those conversations where we can help normalize it for these people because they don't have a lot of spaces to do that but it is really heartbreaking when you even see like the way people will kind of see us stand and like scurry away or like if they're with a group of friends Mm. they'll come over and they'll be like oh come I'll lose the girls and I'll come see you in a lap it's nice that there's a sense of humor about it and and even coming up to us for some people is a big step but it's really hard and like it can be quite sad just knowing that the shame that has been passed down as a result of colonization weighs so heavily on these people that they can't have a chat about a fun little vibrator in yeah. front of their mates like it really breaks my heart sometimes absolutely you would definitely see it kind of firsthand yeah and I think you know, that was another reason why I wanted to set up the cock and culture page because mm. there's some sense of safety that it, you're not they're not conf- especially for people that it's you know like massively eye-opening yeah it's not confronting they can access it when they want to access yes. it they can access it yeah. privately and then you know there's other people that are on there commenting all the time and sharing yeah. everything under the sun because they're way more open but there's some people that just really needed a safe place to be able to peruse and just see what's going on and how other people think and what the conversations are. And I think that anonymity creates a little bit of safety. And so that's why I'm like, if there's any way that we can create some normality around these conversations, let's just pop into all those different areas. Yeah. And it's so true because that's what it takes because there's like working in this industry for so long, it's really common for me to talk to my friends about this kind of stuff all the time and like, always have these conversations or talk to you or talk to Tash you know there's just like I get access to a bunch of other people who feel similarly around how I feel around sexuality yeah. and sexual education and stuff that I forget I think I yeah. forget that not everyone has that as well as an adult because I had bad sex education my parents didn't really talk to me around sex and stuff uh, they're quite conservative they're not religious or anything though but I really made an effort to seek it out and had a really open group of friends but not everyone has that and so I do forget that even like in your mid-30s and upwards like you can still be having 
shame around it or yeah. not know what you're doing or not know your body parts. You might not know your anatomy or like even that your clitoris is probably going to give you more pleasure than like penetrating yeah, internally, yeah. you know, like all just these things that are just like in my head, it's just like, of course, but it's not for everyone. And yeah. it makes me, it makes me sad sometimes. I'm just like, it oh. It actually makes me sad. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I, you know, like when you joke about, oh, they just need a good route. Yeah. yeah. But then there's actually some people that, that really actually do. And I'm like, <laughs> I know your life would be so much better if you just had an amazing orgasm. And yeah. I'm really big on when I started exploring the Tinder world. Yeah. And I was like, this is my jam. Like, <laughs> I love that for you. But I, you know, like I don't have a type. I have this just, you know, oh. like this rainbow and this. Oh, the world is and, yours. You know, vast space. <laughs> Because I'm really thinking about everybody deserves amazing orgasms. Yeah. yeah. And I think that society and media have portrayed a lot of things that you should be, you know, skinny to get orgasms. Mm-hmm. You should be hot as fuck to get orgasms. Mm, yeah. You know, there's this, you know, and it is. I mean, you look at the porn that we watch, you look at the magazines, you look at the TV shows, yeah. you know, like there's a, definitely a certain type of people that get sex. And they forget about everybody else. Yeah. And I was like, I want everybody in their lifetime to have an amazing orgasm. Yes. Yeah. And so the people that I swipe right on are definitely not what, you know, I don't have a genre. Yeah. Because incredible. I'm just like, well, everybody deserves it. And there will be some connection that we have. And I think, you know, t- Tinder is really superficial. I can only yeah. see, I can only see a certain extent, mm. but I'm like, everybody deserves an amazing orgasm. Like I'm going to share that love around. <laughs> yes. I'm here to help the people. In multiple ways. (laughs) There's another part about decolonizing sex that, or decolonization or colon that I talk about, Mm. and it is, it's a Maori thing, but can definitely translate through the Pacific. And it's about the process of to whaka noa. Mm -hmm. And so whaka noa would be when you, um, it's a, it's the process of bringing yourself back into balance. And so when there's been tragedy or when there's been hard times or war or, you know, anything like that, there's a process of bringing yourself back to a level of peace right. to a certain extent. Yeah. And so the, the kind of key ways that you do that in Indigenous cultures is through why, mm-hmm. so that through water. So that would, you know, and I think that's really intrinsic for us, for any culture, is you have this desire when you're in times of need to go to the water. Yeah. Yes. We want to go to the ocean. We yes. want to go, you know. Yeah. It's just this thing we go wash away our, you know, issues and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why is a really, really big thing. Whether that just be going and having a shower yeah. and you just feel like you're, you know, cleaning the world mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. Why? Kai is a yeah. is a really big one. And you'll notice that, you know, like there's a reason why we always have massive feeds after mm. fu- after funerals, yeah. after tangi, yeah. et cetera. And so the process of, sh- of breaking bread and sharing bread. And then the third one is I, as in sex mm. and I think we forget that part of of it in terms of of being a healer yeah of right, being right. a connector um and so when I was doing my research there were so many instances where where I where sex was used to bring people back together you know there was heaps and heaps of stuff written about having sex after like a tangi or after a funeral right. as a means of like grounding you and bringing you back down to earth Ooh. because you're in such a high emotional state yeah and you know during tangis you're definitely there'll be why around where you're you know flicking the water on you after you go to the urupa or whatever 
there will be kai around because you always have a big feed after a funeral. Yeah. And we forget about that third part, that I, that connection that you would have with somebody to like ground you yeah, almost. wow. And mm. bring you back down to, to earth. So, and I... I think we do it subconsciously without realizing. Like we talk about makeup sex. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same thing when you're in those heightened situations yeah, where yeah. you know shit's going wrong. And then the only thing that can center you and bring you back and ground you is yeah. to have sex. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, I like sharing that is that it's also part of healing and it's also part of making you toe of making you peaceful and calm and bringing you back and, and mm. solidifying your place in the world again when you've had you know, big radu or you've had, you know, big, big things happen in your life and using that as a way to like recenter yeah. yourself. But that's also a really beautiful, you know, kind of like a healing way. I yeah. think you know, yeah. there's so many different aspects of of sex and the the genre and the spectrum of sex, but also understanding that we can use it as a healing force yeah. and that there are times when when we talk about makeup sex and stuff after you've had a big fight and crap like that, that, you know, sometimes that's so you, you'll either go out and have a pizza and you'll feel better afterwards yeah. or <laughs> you might go out and, you know, have a drink together or you yeah. might have sex together and it brings you back to that state of toe, to that state of peace or yeah, harmony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all um, so three. So that's another thing that I good. Yeah, <laughs> big yeah. fan of all three. Oh, <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> that's a great perspective, though, because I've had those instances, not necessarily like makeup sex, but sometimes you'll have like intense conversations, like difficult conversations, mm. and then feeling that need to have sex or physical intimacy afterwards. It yes. always, even still, like it's interesting having this conversation. Like my brain is programmed to be like, well, it's weird that I'm trying to have sex after that happened. But thinking of it as a healer and bringing you back together totally. is, yeah, no, mm. I, I love that. Yeah. It all makes sense. <laughs> Every, I feel like we have we're having all these conversations with like people we're interviewing, like you, and then like I'm um, doing independent research and like reading this book. Like all of it's so interconnected. The same way how you talk about like moon cycles and things like that. I find it so funny how people think that the moon has nothing to do with us and like influence on our cycles. It's like it influences the tides. Our menstruation is like a, a complete cycle. Like how can you think that there's not so much like. Yeah, me and Jay had this conversation just the other day because I was I was doing research for this and I was like I want to talk about the matamataka because I know that you call it the matamafaka which I love (laughs) (laughs) and so I downloaded like the the Hina app which tells you like your high and your low energy days and stuff Ah. like that because I was like I want to be more in tune with this the cycles are the same length it makes so much fucking sense I've gone through issues of having like kind of like low libido and not being necessarily super interested in sex and stuff and I'm trying to like get that back and going so I was like I need to do everything in my power to be able to like connect back and Jay was like oh I don't really like think about that stuff too much like I'm not really sure if it's true and I was like fuck off I was like look at you Jay I was like look at all this work you're doing guess what high energy period because of the moon so (laughs) you're wrong Yes. And understanding that and not beating ourselves up about it, that mm. when we're having, like, when we're disinterested, like, well, think about the environment and what's going on and that we shouldn't be pushing ourselves exactly. into situations that our body is actually not, honestly, to just record, spend a good, you know, yeah. two moon cycles looking and analyzing and seeing whether you've got any similarities during, during each moon cycle, because I 
I'm like, if I knew this stuff when I was married, <laughs> yeah. I think so it probably would have been a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finding, you know, all this out when I'm single and, you know, and I'm like, that's cool because I'm very much aware of who I should be interacting with and who I shouldn't be interacting yeah. with during different cycles. That's so cool. And, you know, and understanding and not pushing myself and expecting to be performing at a certain level that I'm not going to be performing at. Yeah. And I'm actually really you know, as I've got older and more confident in my sexuality, I'm really, like, I'm really specific when I'm engaging in those, you know, pre-sex conversations. Like, I'm only going to be giving you vanilla tonight. Like, that's all I have for. I want cuddles. I want, you know, like, I want pleasure. I want it to be slow. And sometimes they aren't on the same level as me and they, and I'm fully accepting that if you can't provide that for me, then this interaction isn't going to work. And so, just being really open and honest about that because I'm like, I'm too old to be mucking around with bad sex. <laughs> yes. so Fact, I mean, yeah. You know, I want it to be jamming every time. I want it to be fire every time. So yeah. it's understanding my body and how I can read it. And definitely, like we all know, my sleep patterns are screwed up by the moon. So why would yes. my sleep patterns not be screwed up, you know? And just being really, really aware of it and figuring out the times when you need those cuddles yeah. and you want to be making love you know, as we would kind of call it, or the times when you just want to be fucking and fucking each other's brains out. And, you know, understanding and imagine if we, you know, were all doing that, how good our sex lives would be. Right. Yeah, because we're just, we're just blooming on the same level and the same energy level. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. all need to get in touch with the moon. I just yeah. think that's the answer totally. to everything, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I totally recommend just recording your feelings. And, yeah, hard. I want to and your energy levels and and things during each kind of moon phase, and you'll like you'll be able to pinpoint it with such accuracy. It'll be amazing. I'm I, I'm gonna get into that. Yeah, like you're already getting into I that because she's she was doing all the research and writing the brief for this. So this is me just now entering the conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, like I'm, I'm a little bit strategic. Like I start jumping on Tinder a couple of days before a full incredible. Moon. See, this is good. <laughs> I, you need to do that. I know that I'm cray <laughs> cray, and I know that I need the release. Yeah. And I know that it's a quick fix. Yeah. I don't, you know, so I'm just like, boom, like I know what I've learned how to read my body, but then I know when I'm in more calm states mm. that there's people like on my, my rotation. Yeah, the roster. <laughs> um, I have a better relationship with and I can be a bit more intimate with. Yeah. And so I know that they're the safe people for me to go to when I'm feeling a bit more vulnerable mm. and a bit more um, emotionally expressive. And so, yeah, I've kind of learned, and this is why I'm really big on rotations. Like monogamy yeah. is is very colonial. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Is that you know I've got to find somebody that can cater for each moon phase almost. Yeah. Is that you know, and I know because everybody's got a different flavor. Yeah. And so if I'm you know if I'm connecting better in terms of my energy levels and their energy levels, yeah. I'm going to be having better sex. Fuck yeah. And we don't need to be wasting time having shit sex. Mm-mm. You are speaking my language, yeah. Janet, because um, I'm ethically non-monogamous and I've been having, I have this conversation all the time, like whenever I actually look at Tinder and I consider like I have a wonderful long-term partner at home, we have great sex, great intimacy. Sometimes when I want something a little bit different, it would be nice to have like a little rotation. At the moment, I don't have anything going on. And it's because whenever I pick up the app, I'm always like, oh, I just, I was saying this to you like yesterday. Well, no, I was saying to someone else. I just don't really, I'm not really feeling it. So that's why I'm really keen on this idea of tracking. It'll be really interesting for you to track when you are picking up the app. 
and yeah. when you're like uh, when you're kind of horny and looking for something different, what the moon phase is. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get a diary. I'm already. I'm picturing it. We're going to typo. I'm gonna get a diary. It's <laughs> gonna. I'm gonna start recording all of this stuff. Um, totally. I think this could be. This could be a good hack. Yeah. So. I'll yeah. show you the app I've got. It tells you all the all the moon phases. Excellent. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. This is inspiring. I hope all of the listeners are like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to start doing this too. I'll pop everything in the show notes, gang, okay? Don't yeah, worry. We'll give you yeah, all the tools yeah. you need to yes. start tracking your sex life and your dating life around the moon because I think that's what totally. we should all be doing. And can I just say – It makes, it makes life so much simpler. Yes. The, you gave a really great – well, just anecdotally, a piece of advice where you said when I'm, I want to communicate with people, I want to say – I'm feeling romantic tonight. I'm wanting X, Y, Z. We had an interview a couple of weeks ago with Luna Matadas, who's a sex educator who kind of specializes in kink and BDSM. And she gave us this advice of talking about what's on the menu. And it's like saying mm. what you're in the mood for and what we're going to do and having that be the list. And so just even like the similarities between you saying yeah. that and, yeah. and her advice, I think is so cool. And I think, you know, like the, our goal in life is to have good sex. Like we don't want to be yeah. bad sex all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, like the most important thing is communication. That end. Every yeah. time. End of. So if Absolutely. I can communicate, if I know my body well enough, and I think that was also part and parcel of your relationship with self-pleasure, if mm. I know my body well enough, then I can then express what I need when I'm, have, when I'm having partnered sex. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, just understanding, am I in the right, is it the right lunar phase? Is, am yeah. I in the right mindset to be having shared sex or is this a solo time? Mm. You know, all those different compartments of it. Is there much more to what uh, decolonizing sex looks like other than things that we've already discussed? The the process of, of having really open and honest conversations is the process of decolonizing our sex lives. Right, right. Because we know what really strict, rigid sex lives look like. That's, yeah. you know, sex yeah. within marriage. Yeah. Very vanilla, very, you know, like there's a reason why it's called missionary style. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And then I we have, you know. <laughs> Then we have, you know, at the other end of the spectrum where everybody is really, everything's really open, really honest, sharing where you can dip into all your kinks and your fantasies and everything. And so it's like about finding your place on that spectrum. Mm. And I know, and this is like another thing where I can follow it with the maramataka slash maramafaka, <laughs> is that I know that there's times when I swing into this very vanilla sex. Mm. And then there's times where I swing into this like cray cray out the gates, yeah. like now kind of sex. But understanding that and understanding it's a spectrum and that we have the ability to float between all of them until we find like that safe place where we kind of feel that we Fit. Some people are right, right way out here and they mm. love it and that's their norm. Mm. And other people are still struggling and can't leave this this side of the bridge. Yeah, right. And so I think it's just really understanding that it's definitely a spectrum. And I think, it, you know, depending on our upbringings, depending on the conversations that we're having with our friends and our families, depending on the content of podcasts that we listen to yeah. and the Instagram pages that we follow, you know, we have more leniency to swing out than others and understanding everybody's on their own kind of you know time continuum yeah but understanding that there is the ability to be um, free-flowing mm. I think and that you know eventually you'll find your spot in that continuum where you feel safe yeah whatever that looks like where do we sit on that continuum and what is actually inflicted by religion or inflicted mm. by government or inflicted by society yeah. and what is actually like our natural animalistic 
um, sexual desires and instincts and things that are actually natural, but somewhere in between we've disconnected. Yeah. And so I'm just really big on reconnecting, mm-hmm. reconnecting with self. And I think, you know, like masturbation is the best way to do that. Yeah, Orgasms is the best way to do that because it's, it's so natural. And so, yeah, that's kind of my fakaro around that is that it's a journey and everybody's at different stages of their journey and whether or not you choose to engage or change or develop or create, as long as it's safe, I think that, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that that we as a community can create some bloody magic, man, if we all just, you know, let our guard down for a while and and really like stepped into our like amazing sexual selves Mm. just totally so I think you know podcasts like this I love I love (laughs) is that you know just uh, with the safety of in in your own home to be able to listen to stuff when you're you know when you're a newbie in this space and you're trying to navigate being able to listen and hear different people's opinions so I think it's just amazing that you give people the ability to access this information like it's it's special ladies yeah yeah it's the most it's the most rewarding thing about it like trying to create a safe space like similar to the mahi you do obviously like whenever I have a hard day or the the kind of shame or doubt or insecurity creeps in and I'm like why am I like saying all this like out the gate stuff about my sex life to the world like <laughs> this is silly it's the the thought that anyone any singular person could just be listening to this and feeling empowered by mm-hmm. it and feeling a little more normal and like excited about the potential totally. of their sex life that really makes it like completely worth it 100 percent. i couldn't agree more like even just like the nice little comments that people will send us you yeah. know like i'd never thought of this or like hearing you talk about it has made me realize that i might be wanting to try something like that yes. or something like that you know it's just like really totally. like little comments and stuff that can just make you go like damn yes yeah. it is important like yeah. we just sit here in a little pink room <laughs> like is anyone listening and people are like we are yeah. and I'm like, oh my god yay <laughs> it's so nice i always <laughs> talk about how um discomfort create you know creates growth yes mm. and um you know like i look on my instagram page and i know that there's some people that don't vibe with it and I've had some you know pretty scary comments on there and I'm like that's okay because that discomfort that they felt they may not grow right now this very moment but I know down the track that growth will come from it yeah Mm. and like you said the the messages that you get and the feedback that you get and you're like I might only like hit one person and it might, you know, that message might only get through to one person, but at least that's one person that's going to have an amazing sex life. Yes, yeah. exactly. But, you know, like this is, this is change making in the yeah. process. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, you know, one orgasm at a time, if that's all we can manage, like that's good shit. Happy with that result. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you've been talking a little bit about periods already. We touched on it a tiny bit, but I was just wondering, like, how does that look from uh, like a colonial perspective? in relation to how it looked before the missionaries and the colonists came along? Was there quite a big difference in terms of, like, people's perception of it? Because I think that even though, oh, God, half of the fucking population gets their period, this is another topic that's still not really talked about and there's still heaps of, like, shame or, like, grossness around periods, which is crazy. Um, So what's kind of, yeah, what's your, like, take on that? So in the research that I've done and like you know definitely not uh expert but 
everything that I researched kind of spoke to me and explained a lot. Colonization tells us that menstruation is yuck mm. and gross. Mm. And, you know, that's a time where women would be kept away because mm. they're bleeding and, you know, just that it was, it was seen as dirty. Yeah. Indigenous societies, it's seen as the cleansing rather than it being dirty. It's the cleansing, mm. like you're preparing your womb, you're yeah. cleaning, you're, yeah. you're gro- you know, like it's part of your growth cycle yeah. kind of thing. And so the way in which women are treated is kind of different rather than you being ostracized for being dirty and bleeding. And, you know, there's yeah. almost like a beauty about it where you're protected and sheltered and, and, you know, like you don't work during that period of time yeah. because, you know, like your body's rejuvenating, yeah. things like that, you know. So there's kind of like this, this good, bad, this ugly, nice kind of, you know, two different um, chains of thought. Mm. And it was really, really difficult when I was looking in information about period sex because a lot of the stuff that was written was definitely from colonial lenses. So you've got these early missionaries or early explorers that are writing about it, but who have already got their preconceived ideas about what is clean and what is dirty and what is good and what is bad, what's evil, what's pure, that kind of notion. And so there was still this real yuck, oh, it's dirty kind of thing where – when you kind of looked in Indigenous communities, there were songs about, not necessarily in reference to having a period, but there were songs about, you know, like procreation and creation and um, love and intimacy and and moon phases and, you know, all these kind of things. And so it was like, well, if I'm joining the dots and I, you know, I'm not necessarily an expert in joining dots, but to <laughs> me it was about like the beauty of, of menstruating versus Mm. the dirtiness of menstruating and so it's about unpacking what what these societal norms are that we have about periods but also giving it the beauty and the protection of a woman going through the process of procreating and creating life so there is a beauty in it and a specialness in it and if we are in tune with the maramataka we're still horny when we're having mm. our periods. Yeah, more so in and, my experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so that was the part where I really struggled with was where it kind of went from pre-colonizational, pre-Christianity, pre-religion to like post-religion. And it was like love, 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 love. And then it went to yuck. But the information on the in-between part isn't very clear. And so we suddenly went from, you know, like we're having beautiful, amazing, passionate sex to no sex when there's blood around is dirty, sex is only for procreation, or when men are horny, not necessarily women, Mm. you know, so there's definitely, so there's more research that needs to be done in this like little section and this connector between the two different ideologies. And I, if we look at the maramataka and we look at, you know, we try and track our hormonal cycles and everything like that, like it's 100% natural to be having sex when you are menstruating. Mm. Why would we, why, why, why is there disgust in that? Why is there disgust in the sharing of intimacy or the sharing of energy or the, even, you know, the, the menstrual cycles of creating life? Like, why would you dirty it or make it a gross thing? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I lean more towards 
that side. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's definitely other people that speak on it that are like, no, that's gross. Ooh, you know, <laughs> where I'm like, nah, it's not. It's a natural pain relief yeah. to have sex into orgasm. Mm, yeah. And so if you're going through, you know, heavy menstrual cramps and things, why would you not want to be, especially masturbating, why would you not want to be masturbating and having sex? Mm. Because it's a natural pain relief. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and we're, we're smart people indigenously. Of course we would be trying to find natural pain relief. Yeah, like, yeah. Why would we not, you know? And so I'm like, nah, I think it's an absolutely beautiful thing to be. And it's it's part of the cycle, you know, the whole sex cycle, mm-hmm. the menstruation cycle, the procreation cycle. Why would we suddenly go, no, we're not going to have sex while you're on your period? It's nature's lubricant, you know? Yeah. And it's so easy. Just put a towel down if you're worried. Do it in yeah. the shower. Like, Masturbate. There are so many like different ways that you can still experience pleasure. I rode the cowgirl the other day with, uh, yeah, with which is a sex machine. When I had my period, yes. and I was like, "Yes, look at me go!" I love that. Feeling. Amazing. Yes, <laughs> a natural pain relief. Yeah. Like, why would we? Totally. Like- yeah, because Tasha's partner actually doesn't like period sex. Yeah, so we, we can call it. him out. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I've had partners that don't come within you know a house a foot of me but do you have um, any advice or anything like obviously it's not a we're not trying to force anything but for someone who just kind of inherently has that very again like colonial mindset where it's just like eh, it's a bit gross like do you have any kind of you know any advice and there that would resonate with someone like that to get over it you mean <sighs> <laughs> you know, Are you writing this down for be responsive to get over it, Emma. I think it's definitely about communication. Right. Thank you. Um, first, and, first and foremost, communication. <laughs> apparently, although I haven't tried it, but apparently if you're in the shower, your blood kind of naturally stops or clots or in baths or swimming pools. Interesting. I haven't tried this because I'm like, I don't have a pool at home to kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah, you wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, you know, like, pool. To, to go jump in the public pool and be like, my bed. <laughs> Indeed. Incredible. Um, but, you know, like to, it's 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 communication in the end, is, is finding that space where you can communicate really openly and freely. And, yeah, shit might gross you out, but how do you know it actually grosses you out until you've done it? And especially if you're engaging with somebody that's not quite on the same page as you, making it a safe place. So whether you wear a condom specifically Mm. so that they're not kind of getting as much blood on them as they would if they didn't have a condom on, you know, showering first beforehand Mm. so that there's no like, you know, blood residue around or stuff in case they're like actually skirmish about blood. Yeah, true. That's fair. Having, you know, and doing the romantic shit, like having a shower beforehand together so that... There's a, a sense of cleanliness if they get freaked out about, you know, being dirty or whatever. And you're washing together. So there's that intimacy, that sexual energy yeah. sharing. You get out, you might have sex together, and then you go back in and you shower together. And so, you know, like finding ways that you can kind of get around just like the concept of having big globs of blood come out while you're, yeah. you know, things like that. Like finding ways that you can just make it a little bit more easy to ease into it right. and then after that it's like you know free for all let's go yeah. straight advice. Straight advice. yeah it's and not so oh, sorry you go <laughs> understanding your sexual in like your partner's sexual energy is is different to yours True. and yeah. you want to please them sexually step into their space every now and then it doesn't necessarily have to be all the time it's a sharing situation yeah. but 
that's something if they're mega horny during that period of time and they just want sex, like just step into it and find that happy medium communication, communication, communication. Mm, Find that happy medium where you can still be having sexual pleasure, but it might look different to how you normally have it, would be my. Trial and, trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think open open to trial and error. Yeah. I think it's a conversation we haven't revisited because it's never it's never been like an absolute no-go. We've done it. I think we've done it in the shower, that sort of thing. It's just mm. kind of more of a preference. But even someone who's like <laughs> the whole thing with ethical non-monogamy is like communication, communication. Even just having this conversation, I'm just like, you know what? We haven't actually sat down and <laughs> talked about it for a while. And yeah. that would probably yeah. help. So <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the ending on the communication note because it's always my favorite thing tiana thank you so much for joining us today that was so fun i am like locking all of this into my own brain because you (laughs) have just provided so much amazing knowledge and info i cannot believe i didn't think about missionary sex like (laughs) what is wrong with me Yeah, the the mahi that you do is incredible. Yeah. And we really appreciate you uh, joining us Thank for this conversation. You. It's been incredibly insightful. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love having conversations like this where you're with like-minded people and you yeah. can just pop yeah. everything and it just goes off. And I think, <laughs> I think it's amazing the space that you provide because it gives everybody that opportunity to engage in whatever extent that they're comfortable with. And I'm like, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it, the better our sex lives are, the more orgasms we're going to have. Like, imagine if we were all walking around heaven, you know? The best amazing sex orgasms. Ever. Oh. Sex positive utopia, baby. Yeah, that's what we want. Yes. Every episode, we're one step closer. <laughs> oh my God. Totally. <laughs> You've been listening to the Electric Rodeo podcast by Adult Toy Megastore. Follow Electric Rodeo free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to keep up to date with our bucket list progress, follow at Electric Rodeo Podcast on Instagram.